Let's do this one. Jesus Christ, fuck James Gunn. Oh my God. Why does he write dialogue like that? Maddie, you can't outrun the cops! I can't lose my license! A movie with Jennifer Lawrence about uh, prostitution. I mean, technically. Wow. I mean, fucking a 19-year-old for money for a car. You got a name for it? Air Jordan. Seriously? Maybe it'll grow on me. The wigs in the Affleck movie look really bad, but yeah, maybe. Shazam looks awful. Worst use of a Drake song. Like, like, Jesus Christ! Are these trailers over? Okay, obviously we're dealing with a little bit more than just narcissism here. Yeah, I'm not seeing that. Um, how does Aquafina keep getting jobs? Transformers is what you expect. Oh god, I swear I like movies, but AMC theaters. We make movies better. That's cap. Okay, here we go. Rule one everything is bigger than last time. Bigger budget, bigger cast, bigger body count. Longer chases, shootouts, beheadings. You gotta top what came before to keep people coming back. Beheadings? Beheadings. Rule two, whatever happened last time, expect the opposite. Franchises only survive by subverting expectations. If the killers last time were whiny snowflake film nerds with letterboxed accounts instead of personalities, you can bet the opposite will be true here. And rule three, no one is safe. Okay, so I'm heading home after after the movie. Um, so my initial thoughts are I enjoyed it. Um, it's dumb, I mean, but it's still enjoyable. I mean, it's the thing about the screen movies, right? Um, the thing that makes the, the first one um, the one that really... Uh, is the gold standard of the, of the movies is despite how 
you know, um, kind of unbelievable, uh, the Scream franchise is, uh, despite how, uh, meta it is and how much it sort of like talks to the audience and comments on itself um despite that that like despite the the first one does all of that the first one establishes all of that right but there's still a level of believability um that you're left with with the first one right um so it's one of those things where it's like, listen, I like a lot of movies, um, as people who listen to this podcast know, I like a lot of movies, uh, that are unbelievable, that, that are really like over the top, uh, hyper real, you know what I mean? Like, or just, or just, I mean, and by hyper real, I just mean like everything's heightened, like the reality's heightened. I mean, but it's ironically saying hyper real is, I'm saying it's fake, <laughs> um, so I just want to get that out of the way before I sort of like go into sort of like why I feel the way I feel about this Scream movie and the majority probably of the Scream films in general. Like they're definitely fun movies. They're definitely they're definitely roller coaster ride movies. Uh, the expectation going into a Scream movie should never be you know uh, that it's some sort of like dead serious kind of like Silence of the Lambs kind of thriller, you know what I mean, it's not, it's never been that, but the first one, like, the first one you kind of, like, can buy all of the things that happen, like, you know what I mean, uh, the way the killers get away with the killings, until ultimately they don't, you know what I mean, at the very end when they're killed, um, the sort of, even when you watch back the first Scream movie, and you kind of, like, deconstruct, sort of, oh, so we know that, you know, um, Billy's the killer, and we know that also that uh, him and and fucking uh, Shaggy from Scooby Doo <laughs> are also him. It's it's them as a duo, which is ironic because that's what I left uh, feeling. Uh, that's how I left the theater feeling about Scream Six, which is that I I'm watching. Um, or I was I was thinking that in real time as I was watching the movie that like this is like a very violent. Uh, Scooby-Doo, um, you know, like, who's the killer, and then at the very end, they pull the mask off, you know, I mean, Scream has kind of always been that way, so it's kind of ironic that, uh, you, Matthew Lillard, uh, ends up playing Shaggy in the, uh, Scooby-Doo live-action movies, um, because these Scream movies are, are very much like that, they're like a, they're like violent, uh, Scooby-Doo's with, more, with, with killing and blood, um, and this Scream movie specifically is very violent. They really amped up the violence. And I did like... I did like the kills. Um, and I did like the New York setting. Moving it away from um, Woodsdale, right? That's what it's called, right? Moving it away from there, right? Um, and putting it in New York City, uh, I think, was a, was a smart choice. Where it falls is the plot. Like, I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? Again, like, these are... I say this all the time, like, I, plot, it really isn't that big of a deal, but when your movie is sort of, like, hinges of the on it, then it is kind of, like, it makes it more of a big of a deal, like, you can make a movie where, the, like, the plot is secondary, right, but these movies are kind of inherently uh, movies about sort of, like, who the killer is, and how the killer gets away with, and, and how it works, and when, and when everything is revealed at the end, um, you know, when every, when the mask are pulled off again, Scooby-Doo style. Right. Um, but it's cartoonish. It's not just Scoob. When I say Scooby-Doo, when I say, when I compare it to a Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo cartoon, 
I mean it because it's also cartoony. It's like the characters are cartoon characters. Um, the things that happen are the things that happen in cartoons in terms of like, okay, like this logistically is not possible. You know what I mean? Like when you discover who uh, the killers are, you know, um, or even, even before you discover who the killers are, you're wondering like, okay, like how is this possible? Like how are they getting away with all of this? Like how is this, you know, like, and again, you have to, I get it. You have to uh, suspend your disbelief, right? Like it's, you have to suspend your disbelief. But again, that's the, the, the onus is on the actual movie and the filmmakers to get the audience to suspend their disbelief. Now you have to set that, set that stage kind of early on, like by letting them know like, okay, this movie is not realistic at all. Or this movie is realistic, you know, or this movie is kind of like somewhat realistic again, like that Tarantino does in some of like, you know, his movies that are more hyper-realistic like Kill Bill, right? Or you, you set the stakes kind of very early and you understand what kind of movie you're watching. And therefore, like, the suspension of disbelief is created right there where people are willing to sort of accept certain things in this world. Well, with the Scream movies, and specifically with this movie specifically, Scream 6, um, my thing is, like, they try to make it super serious, and then they, but at every turn, they're kind of, again, they're winking at the audience and doing things that are taking you, are taking me at least, when I was watching it, kind of like, I'm like, eh, I don't kind of buy that, you know, um, and I feel like doing Kevin Williamson dialogue, or trying to, like, ape that Kevin Williamson style is a very, you know, that's a, uh, that's a, that's, that's not a easy task, uh, for a lot of writers who, if you're not already sort of writing, or don't naturally kind of, like, write that kind of way, you know what I mean? Like, uh, if I'm making any kind of a, if I'm making any kind of sense about that, like I'm not saying like yo Kevin Williamson is somehow like this great, like gold standard when it comes to like writing or anything like that, nothing of the sort. But I'm saying like Kevin Williamson does one thing well, and that's Kevin Williamson. And Kevin Williamson writes a certain kind of way, uh, and and he he writes that kind of dialogue where it's like it is not realistic whatsoever, but it is very like. Um, it's referential, you know, it definitely has all the pop culture, uh, you know, name dropping and and being meta and being kind of like sar- sarcastic and, and it's like it's a very specific kind of tone and style in which that dialogue is written and delivered, right? Um, and he's not involved in that in these newer iterations since James Vanderbilt came aboard in the Radio Silence guys. Uh, I mean, I guess Williamson, his name is still still attached, you know, um, in a producer, a producerial uh, role. But I mean, I think that's more about a money thing more than anything. I'm sure he's, you know, financially and probably an ego. It's Hollywood. You know, he he's going to want his name attached to it. Um, I'm trying to, like, not say a lot about... Um, what happens and because this is a new movie um and i do want to put this 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 podcast out um and honestly um a big reason for me even doing the new screen movie as an or doing it the way i'm doing it now which is me going into the theater uh you know um watching it um and then coming back and, and and recording and giving you my opinion on the movie and talking about the movie in my car on the way back to the house uh, is because I wanted to be able to sort of find a new kind of way um, 
to talk about current movies that's different from sort of like the other nine million podcast out there about movies that are definitely going to be talking about this movie because a big part of it is like okay well how can a podcast like mutual aberration society um which is not really about the most current movies it's more about sort of talking about movies that and i know i've said this a million times to everyone that's listening talking about movies that are you know less talked about and they could be new movies, and we I have talked about newer movies, but I just feel like, okay, yeah, I understand immediately when a movie's older or newer that, like, oh, this is the type of movie that's worthy of discussion, worthy of a sort of, um, at times, I mean, I don't know how deep I go in some of these movies on, on, on this. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I don't go as deep as I want to, but, uh, but that, that are worthy of sort of going in depth if possible, and at the very least highlighting, right? So this, that's sort of what this, me doing it the way I'm doing it now, going to, you know, talking about um, Scream 6, with, which literally I'm watching um, on the night that it came out in the theaters. Um, so now I'm going to get a little bit more into sort of uh, some of the plot, you know, um, and I'll get a little bit more into sort of some of my... Uh, issues about with the movie, um, which I've already kind of talked about, um, and again, like, this is me fresh, this is me fresh out of the theater, uh, so if I feel, if I seem a little, um, scattered, I mean, I seem scattered all the, any, all the, all the time, probably, <laughs> probably the listener is like, yo, you always seem like you're going everywhere, uh, it, but if I seem more scattered than usual, it's because I'm still bouncing this around in my head, the movie that I watch, not that it takes a lot, it's not like I just absorbed some sort of movie that's, you know, um, requires, you know, me to, like, process it, it's not that deep of a work, I mean, and again, that's no shade at all, like, the movie's not designed to be be that, but what I did notice immediately was, um, uh, some of the tricks that they did, which is the opening of the movie, um, it's a kind of a fake out, but it's not a fake out in the way that as, uh, typically it's done. They kind of found a new way to do the cycle switch a little bit. Um, so at this point I will say, um, pause this or watch Scream 6 if you don't want the sort of opening psych out to be ruined, okay? So, the opening psych out is that we, we, we see uh, Samara Weaving um, get killed. Um, now, there's a few things about uh, Samara Weaving getting killed um, that were interesting. Um, one, okay, so Samara Weaving plays a... Uh, and, of course, she worked with the Radio Silence guys, the directors of the movie, in... Um, what was the, uh, the movie, uh, where she's, uh, what the hell is the name of that movie? Now you can really tell that, um, it's, 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 it's late, and then that I'm, uh, blanking on a very obvious movie, a movie that I actually liked, um, yeah, well, regardless, Samara Weaving was in a movie that, uh, you, you all know what it is, I, since I'm pulling up, I can actually, uh, pull up the movie, um, and I can stop my car because I'm in my neighborhood now. Um, great. But, uh, yeah, Samara Weaving is in this opening kill and, um, I saw her and immediately I knew, um, 
I, I knew like, oh, like this is one of this is this is the cameo role. This is the the directors using using her, you know, um, as as sort of like a Drew Barrymore, the Drew Barrymore moment uh, of of this movie. Um, but the thing about it is, uh, I knew she was going to get killed um, immediately, and I feel like the audience knows. Okay, okay, Samara Weaving is going to die. Like one, because it's already been established that like the, the the first person that they show in the movie usually gets killed. That was established early on. Right. So we kind of know that that's not a surprise. Uh, but having the director ready or not ready or not is the movie. Um, but having the directors, you know, work with her again on this. Um, are she are she doing the directors a favor and saying, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do the, the 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 Drew Barrymore role or whatever, um, which I guess in the, in the first movie, it, it was the psycho switch where it's like. You put a famous a, a famous star in the opening and you kill them, right? Well, they do that, right? But there's a twist. Um, she's killed, and then immediately they reveal the killer. The killer takes the mask off, and then we see, oh, it's this guy. This this uh, um, he looks it's like an Indian guy. Um, and then you sort of get first of all, you they establish that uh, Samara is a professor at a college um and she's a professor who teaches film studies you know okay yeah yeah okay and then there's little moments like that right where so the the character that kills her is a student of hers and then he's trying to kill her with another student because he walks back home you know he puts his ghost face mask away walks down the street um interacts with some of the main characters uh one specifically being um are one of our uh one of our heroes i guess if you want to call if you want to call i mean yeah we we will call her that uh wednesday adams <laughs> uh she she he passes her and talks to her briefly um and again you're kind of like it kind of does a little bit the way the way it's executed no pun intended does kind of uh throw you off a little bit but yeah you see jenna ortega um and he continues walking. He's texting his other friend who you quickly discover is the second murderer. And they were trying to kill, uh, their professor. Right. But they're all, they also want to kill the Loomis sisters, you know, um, the girls from, you know, again, last movie, which, which is, uh, uh, again, Jenna Ortega who plays Tara. And then, uh, the main, uh, protagonist, Sam, you know, the carpenter sisters, Melissa Barrera, um, so Sarah Carpenter, Tara Carpenter, like he reveals that like they're going to kill, they're going to kill them. And you get, you get the, the sense, of, oh, these are like dorky film student guys. And then there's like, there's all sorts of interesting little uh, Easter egg things that they do. I don't know if you call them interesting. Let's not say interesting, but they're like inside baseball, horror film, nerd shit where um, he says, yeah, the teacher gave me a C on my Argento paper, you know, like you know, like shit like that just kind of make me roll, roll, makes me roll my eyes, but like the horror people will eat that up. Right. Um, and then like even, uh, one of the, other, one of the characters that one of the newer characters, who's a roommate, um, who you, you know, I mean, I'm not going to spoil the whole movie. Cause again, it is a new movie. Um, he's in this, it's, it's, it's around Halloween. Right. So you, you get to see people are they're at a party or whatever. And, uh, they have costumes on. And one of the characters that, that roommate character is dressed as uh the guy from murder party now again that's a very 
specific reference. I don't think uh, I don't think the average movie goer is going to catch the murder party reference because it's literally a movie that uh, fans of Jeremy uh, 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 Saunier would know. But it's it's the movie that Jer- it's, it's the least watched Jeremy Saunier movie probably in his whole filmography because it's literally the movie before he did blue ruin and then he did green room after that right but it's the movie that sort of like you know did the festival thing got put out by like magnet or some shit but again i know this because you know i guess i'm i am i part of that group am i part of the group i'm criticizing i like to think no i just think that i i'm i maybe at one point i was um and then i sort of grew up and I sort of like developed as a human being and I wasn't frozen in like some sort of, uh, giant, uh, suspended animation. Um, uh, in terms of my, uh, personality, I didn't, I didn't have to make knowing what horror movies are my personality. Um, which is, which is a main character in this movie. (laughs) Um, the, the sec, the sister twin who returns from screen five, um, basically doing, um, the same role, as uh jamie kennedy in the first movie right uh so yeah like i'm all over the place here but but there's little things that i notice like that like you know the argento paper like in the murder party costume and and like those are those are things that are like there for like that the 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 horror people or the people that will catch the references and there's little things throughout that i'm recalling um but those are the ones that like jumped out at me um and again, like, I'm not big, I'm not a big Easter egg guy, you know, um, I like, I like when there's extra details that are just there in the background, I do like Kubrick movies, you know, you know, I do, I, I'm not, let me not say that, like, I don't like when, um, a filmmaker sort of does that kind of thing, and, it's, it, but it's, when it's, I'm not a fan of Easter eggs, but I am a fan of, uh, oh, uh, I don't know, um, filling your frame as a filmmaker with things that are in the background, um, that aren't intentionally aren't foregrounded that add to sort of the tone or the world, be it interior, uh, in terms of the character's interior, in terms of what's going on inside that, that the actual character and exteriorly, you know, uh, uh, like I, I I'm all, I'm all for that. And if I don't see, I, I think there's a distinction to be made between like doing stuff like that and, and Easter eggs. Cause the modern Easter egg is a little bit different. The modern Easter egg is like, you're supposed to like find it almost. It's almost this movies now seem like they're designed for those things to be found. And I feel like in the past that wasn't the case. They were there. And if you saw them, great. But if you didn't, it makes no difference. Um, and I guess you can argue that, I mean, it makes no difference if you catch those things or not. And it really doesn't. But yeah, I don't want to really get too bogged down on that because I do want to talk a little bit more about this movie uh, and how I feel about it. Uh, but again, Samara Weaving gets killed. We see we introduce to the killers who do it. But then guess what? I know everyone can see this twist coming. The killers get killed because you can't have a screen movie where you know the killers in the very beginning. So no, those guys get killed by the actual killer of the movie. Um, and then it sets into motion this whole, you know, storyline of, of, uh, the, the, uh, the core four as the, uh, brother twin 
names them are now all in NYC. Um, and they're being, of course, stalked and the people around them are being killed and they're being chased by new Ghostface. And obviously saying Ghostface isn't spoiling because it's always more than one. Right? So, yeah. Um, so the movie plays out a lot in a lot of ways where I'm just like, Every time there's a kill sequence, you know, um, I'm actually like, yo, I like the approach that they did. Like, I like the approach of how how powerful uh, Ghostface is in those moments. And then I start to wonder, like, okay, knowing that knowing that I know who the killers are in the end, I'm like, okay, which which one was it? I have my theories about who you know who it is that's doing the majority of the killing, just based on the size of the Ghostface. You know, and but like the power in which he was killing, he or she uh, was killing. Um, I mean, it's kind of clear who 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 it probably was. The majority of those kills, you know what I mean? Like because it's like, all right, like this this is a big strong motherfucker. This isn't like a small person um, committing these murders, uh, and they're vicious. There's there's like a lot of like stabbing in the eyeballs. Uh, I think there's a guy that's gets chopped up in the beginning. Um, there's st- stabbing knives deep and ripping up with the knife. Uh, just a lot, a lot, of, a lot of, uh, a lot of emphasis on the kills in a way that I, I did appreciate it. Um, I know how that sounds, but that's part of the fun of these movies. Right. Um, and again, they movie, the movies are over to the top and that's part of the reason they need to be because the, the killings would not be in, you couldn't do violent over the top killings like this, uh, and have fun if you didn't create a tone that was over the top and the killer, the killings needed to match that tone. So I get that. And it's not the tone that I have a problem with. I don't care that it's silly. I don't care that it's unbelievable as much as I don't, I, what I, my issues are when, again, uh, my issues with the movie are like, I'm just like, okay, like this is, first of all, Courtney Cox is back again. Um, just the dialogue is just routinely bad. Like, um, there's moments where it's not as bad, but through the whole movie, there's plenty of moments where it's bad. Most of the time, when they're referencing other movies, it's bad. When they're referencing the the, the movies before the other screen movies, I'm not even. I'm, I'm when it, when they're referencing actual horror movies, it's bad. And when they're referencing the Scream sequels, the ones that came before it, like it's bad. Like, um, it's just like very like hammed up like you're coming back to kill you know i mean again like the, there's moment again that's part of that is you know they're aping the kevin williamson uh template right the kind of style and it's like okay but if you're not that kind of writer if that's not your kind of specialty you know and honestly it's it's, it's waning when kevin williamson does it like he like you know but when you get to tour like halfway through most of the kevin williamson movies or the end of the kevin williamson movies you're already kind of like yeah there's definitely moments where you're like, all right, all right, enough is enough. Like, you know what I mean? That style, I don't know. It's a, and it's a, a specific kind of taste thing, right? I feel like when I was younger, I was a little bit more uh, forgiving about that shit. You know what I mean? But I'm like, you know, I don't know. But I would, I, I probably would have preferred it if Kevin Williamson was doing the dialogue um, to to sort of uh, the people. I don't know. Who, let me. Let me double check. Did Vanderbilt write this again? I'm pretty sure he did with with uh, the same guy. Um, I can actually find out because I have a cell phone and I'm actually not driving. I'm being responsible. See, um, 
So let's see. Uh, Scream 6. Crew details. Okay, so James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Yeah. Okay, so Vanderbilt and Busick, uh, when they're doing it, it's not, uh, yeah, it's it's not, uh, it's just not, it's not hitting, you know what I'm saying? I, and I know, I know that they did, they did the, the, uh, Scream 5 too. I mean, that was the, that was the, uh, the same, the same two writers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, Vanderbilt and Busick. And I know Vanderbilt brought Busick into this because Vanderbilt is a, a, uh, seasoned screenwriter. Um, and he just had the ability to bring along who he wanted. Um, and they're clearly doing these movies the way he wants. Um, and again, like, it's just one of those things where I'm like, yeah, like, there's a few characters that are brought back that are just like, okay, how'd they survive? And then that's another thing at the very end, um, the characters that survive, you're like, okay, like, and I even knew, I was like, there's no way they're going to kill cer- certain characters and they're probably going to be back. And, 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 and you know, um, I will, ref- I will refrain because this is a podcast coming out um, simultaneously the same week as the movie comes out. And... I do want people to listen to the podcast, uh, for sure, to talk about the movie. Even if I'm, if even if I seem overly negative, I will say this: uh, you, this is, this is better than like um, some of the, the the other horror movies I've went to go see um, that I've been more critical of. I mean, like I enjoyed it more, despite the over the top ending. It's there's something about these movies that are that are kind of like you realize, like oh, like yeah, it's gonna be kind of dumb when you find out the 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 ending, like, and you just have to like kind of embrace that. Um, so yeah, when it got to the end and the killers were revealed, I wasn't really surprised. Um, and then there's like a build up to like the reveal of all of the, each one. Like you figure out initially who the who the main one is, and then they show the other one, and then then they're like, okay, but they kind of like build it up, right? And I will I will do one spoiler. There's three killers. It's not two. It's three. So like when you find the first two, you're like, oh, and then they they like hold before they reveal the third killer. But I'm like, you already know who that is. Like you know what I'm saying? They're acting like it's a surprise, and even the characters I think act surprised. But I'm like, it's clear who that person is. Because once it's one character, you're like, okay, then the likelihood of it, this other character not being alive or, you know, or whatever, like, you just kind of know at that point. Like, so it's one of those things where it doesn't really work. Um, They do, they do a lot of tricks. They do a lot of trickery uh, to surprise the, the audience. Um, But most of that, I feel like, isn't really, the trickery isn't about the script, the trickery isn't necessarily, it's really about like the, the, the film, the directors, like, uh, creating sequences and, and, you know, via the direction and through the editing, um, to make things be a little bit more, you know, yeah, I'm sure that like those were written, but like you have to sell those, you know what I mean? Like you have to really sell those. And I think they do do a good job of, of, uh, keeping a good pace um again the new york setting uh, my favorite part is the subway uh well it's not my favorite part but it is one of my favorite moments of uh tension you know it's like when they're in the subway and everyone's looking at who it could be you know what i'm saying um the sequence in the bodega with the shotgun i thought was also very um again these are moments that people have already seen in the trailer but like those are actual moments that like yeah they were good they were they were better parts of the movie. They were, they were in the trailer, and they played out 
it, entertaining. It was entertaining. Um, so yeah, um, I think I'm gonna give this movie uh, two and a half stars. Uh, you know, um, my takeaways from this. Uh, my takeaways from this as somebody who uh, wants my podcast to not just be to talk about movies. But it's also like intended for people who are like also like creatives, you know what I mean? And and it is sort of about, you know, making things and and writing and uh things that I feel like uh the movies and, and the books and the guests that I have, it's all just a really excuse to sort of talk about, you know, the creative sort of life and yeah, I know that sounds I know, I know how it sounds how it sounds, I know. Um but I will say, uh, when you watch these movies, and as as you heard me bitch about the trailers, um, I, I say, like, use that as motivation. Because the stuff that's coming out, the stuff that's getting greenlit, the stuff that's that has, like, all the budgets and the stars and the cast, when you're really being honest about it, and I feel like, I don't know, um, I want, I do want... Like, I feel like my peers are kind of brainwashed. Not not all of my peers, but a big majority of my peers. They're brainwashed or they're sort of Hollywood-pilled um, because they've been chasing this game and they're pursuing this. So they're always looking to the, to the stuff that gets made or the stuff that gets bought as the standard by which they need to go. But it's like if you're being completely honest and you're watching a lot of movies and you're reading a lot of material, and I don't mean just watching movies that come through the studios or reading scripts that, that are circulating Hollywood or reading specs that are circulating Hollywood or reading the same, um, you know, which is, again, this is the stuff that, again, the screenwriters who I do know, they're, this is all they do, right? Um, and I'm, that's probably translatable too to sort of like some people in, in, in the literary world too, where it's like people who want to be, you know, in a big five publisher, or they're reading all the stuff that comes off the shelves, uh, you know, at, at our that that that's being in you know, on on the New York Times bestseller list. They're reading the stuff that's coming out of the the big five is pushing because they have they have aspirations, and goals to be you know um, that kind of commercial writer or co- commercial artist, right? Um, um, and my podcast isn't really about that. Like my podcast is actually about like, um the counter to that my podcast is like hey at the end of the day um they're going to be doing this regardless you know what i'm saying now it's for people that are that are, that will do this they, they will do this i'm always going to i'm always i always want to encourage people to like yo get your money and if you can find a way to carve out making your art and making a living doing it yes we all you know mas is definitely about like people being able to do that you know but it's also about like recognizing like yo if you you would be doing this regardless you would be doing this if you had to work you know a side job if you do work a side job if you work a main job and this is your side like this is for like true creative shit so like when you watch these movies like look at this as an example of like hey like this is what you're up against because the stuff is not really that good and 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 a main reason why it's not really that good is because of the commercial aspect to the art form because everyone wants a career that's usually um pursuing it it's just based on you know the society we live in right it's all about like if, it, if you can't make money from it then it's not valid um which is kind of again anti-art but uh but whatever um but use these movies as fuel for you to say i'm good enough you know what i'm saying like people will go in and 
they will rate a movie like this way higher uh, based simply upon the fact that, like, one, people uh, are liking it positively outside of them, right? They'll be like, oh, yeah, it's getting positive reviews, so it's got to be good. Second, they'll like it because what I already mentioned, which is, oh, it got made, it got greenlit. So that's another that's another sort of filter in which people use to give it more validity or rate it in terms of like it needs to be something that they measure their own standard of work against right um so that's another sign of its quality right um which again isn't is completely untrue but this is what people do um and then they'll also you know look at it from the standpoint of well uh it made money um it got it sold uh it came out in theaters and it works like it's fun. Like, you know, it, you, you just, there's some positive shit, you know, so, the, the, but it's like, yeah, but is, is that an actual way to sort of like, because again, like we are simultaneously, um, in Oscar season and the Oscars are about to come beyond. Um, and it's the same thing that applies to a lot of those movies. Um, I've gotten to the point where I don't, I don't ever, I don't even watch the Oscars anymore. Um, and like, if I watch a movie, uh, based, well, I don't watch movies based on, um, whether or not they're nominated. In fact, if I do watch a movie that's nominated, it's because I wanted to watch that movie already. It's only by like, by chance, because if I know it's nominated before, I probably won't watch it. You know what I mean? Because I've gotten like, um, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, uh, and like they were naming like all the movies. Uh, I think it was mo- the movie mindset podcast, the first episode zero, right? That they're doing, uh, Will Miniker, right? I think I was I was listening to that in the background, um, and, and they were like naming uh, like all these Oscar winners over and over again. And it was just bad movie after bad movie after bad movie in a row, like wham, bam, bam, bam. And it's like that's what I, but that's that's what I mean though. Like I got burned uh, initially uh, over and over again, um, like, cause people really drink the Kool-Aid, like people drink the Kool-Aid and Hollywood is a, is a town that is, uh, you know, and, and, and again, this is, this is not just Hollywood, it's all commercial art, right? Commercial art and people that want to be involved in commercial art, they kind of drink the Kool-Aid of the, the sort of world that they want to be in, you know what I'm saying? Um, and you got to not want to be in the world. Don't want to be in the world. Just be in the actual world that you live in and create art. You know what I'm saying? That's what you do. You 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 live on earth with everyone else and you make art. And and just by like the fact that you make stuff and put stuff out and try to do try to get it in front of people, try to sell it, try to do it that that in and of itself will put you like in the space that you need to be in. And the space that you need to be in isn't necessarily to be known. Cause again, that's another thing about this is, is another thing that I know is like, um, most of the people that I do know, I know a lot of people, um, in Hollywood, but, uh, if I talk to you and you know me, then that chances are that, that, uh, you're one of, in my book, you're a, you're, you're a good egg in my book. <laughs> you're a good egg. Um, uh, and if I don't, um, either I just don't really talk to you like that cause I don't know you are, I don't fuck with you. Um, that, that could be it. I mean, I'm not saying if I don't talk to you, I don't necessarily don't fuck with you because again, I don't talk. To, I'm just like, my circle is my circle and, and the people I talk to is the people like anybody normal. Um, but 
there are a lot of people in, in, in Hollywood that I don't fuck with. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, and again, that's another thing that probably separates me from a lot of my peers, which is they will fuck with anybody if it means that they feel like they they can play this game. Um, but I want to play the game, but I, I'm playing the game of my own rules. And the game that I'm playing is a different game than they're playing. Uh, uh, I'm not playing the Hollywood game. I'm not, you know, I'm playing the game of my life. And my, my life is about doing things that, uh, and creating things that are important to me. Like, I really like movies. You know what I'm saying? I, I really like movies. I really like art. I like I like books. I like to write. I like to create. I'm a creative. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, so I just really want to get that across as 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 I as I give this movie a two and a half star rating and tell people, hey, look, anybody can do this shit because look at all the stuff that's being made and put out and actually has real budgets and money behind them. Um, because I feel like that is a liberating thing. Like it is really liberating. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I did, a, again, I talk about movies that are in, crazy that are made with no budget. Like, we did that uh, Bodybuilder in Hell, like, b- Bloody Bodybuilder in Hell movie. That guy made that, you know, with his own money and just shot it, you know, and, and you could tell. It's like one guy doing most of the things. And I like the movie. And I, get, I rate that movie higher than I rate this movie. And this movie has millions of dollars and name actors and all kind of shit, right? Whole crews. Um, but again, like, so don't get it. Don't think that I'm some sort of like weird sort of movie snob person where it's like, no, because I understand what a movie is and I rate a movie based on um, what it is. Um, and hopefully uh, you kind of get the sense of how I'm rating. I don't care. I don't care if you get the sense, you know, whatever. It's it's fine. You can like them. You can get it or you don't got to get it. Just the same thing. Like I don't get been out of shape because of someone loves something or someone hates something. Really, I what I get been out of shape about necessarily is when I can feel that it's a lie. When you're just saying that you like something, um, just, just to like it. Uh, so yeah, I I guess for, uh, this sort of talking shit at the movies, maybe I'll call it that because I'm a big Hollywood shuffle. Hollywood shuffle is one of my favorite movies and, uh, talking shit at the movies, um, is definitely some shit that, uh, resonates with me. Uh, um, yeah. So just to close this out, uh, Scream 6, go in if you want to watch it. Um, I'm not going to say don't watch it. I, I would say, yo, if you go watch it at the theater, it's probably a fun movie to watch with the crowd. Um, the expectation should be it's a Scream movie. You know, it's going to have unbelievable uh, sort of uh, unplausible things that happen and, and sort of like unrealistic uh unrealistic killers in terms of like how they're able to get away with this, how this is even, even possible, you know, how, how aren't they caught in the immediately, uh, all of that stuff you just kind of, kind of accept. So if you, if you like screen movies, you'll, 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 you'll have a fine time with this movie. It's, it's, it's fine. Um, there was a better movie in this movie for sure. Um, there were some things that, and again, all of the things that I have an issue with are mostly, they derive from the script for sure. Um, the performances in some capacity, but again, like when the actors are saddled with this sort of kind of dialogue and the kind of lines that they're saying in this movie, I mean, they're doing what they can with it, you know, and some, some characters are just, you know, they're just written kind of, kind of hack, like hacky's not the right word. Hokey, you know, hokey, kind of hokey, kind of cheesy. You know, like there's a there's some cheese to this. There's some there's some unintentional camp 
and intentional camp. There's a little bit of both at the same time um, in this movie. So if you go in with those expectations, um, you probably have a good time with this movie. Um, and there will be people that have a good time with this movie anyways, because again, it's, it's a horror movie. And, and as I've discussed on previous episodes, like specifically, I, I discussed this with low res on my podcast and on his podcast that horror fan, horror movie fans are like, they have, they don't have good taste and they're very easy to please. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people will rave and love this movie. Um, and I'm sure some people won't for, for, for reasons that are just like, I don't know, like whatever. But, uh, yeah. Um, as always, I don't know how to end any of my podcasts. So, yeah. What's your favorite scary movie? That was worse. That's corny. See, see, it's corny. It's corny even when I say it. <laughs>